who wants to say something? <laughs> I thought you were going to say he wants to be a millionaire, and I was going to be like, me? Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to answer a series of questions that escalate in difficulty. That was one of the best game shows. Did I ever tell you about the one I saw where someone failed at the $200 question? <laughs> and do you want to know what the question was? Yes, please. I, I'm afraid, but yes. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> Green is a combination of which of there was something no wait blue and yellow make which of the following colors and it was like red orange purple green and they said purple (laughs) 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 like just and he was like i'm sorry you're god it just everyone was like what just happened (laughs) like oh my goodness they're basically giving you a thousand dollars they're super (laughs) like here but think about this he still got paid two hundred dollars for that. Not no, you don't it get it, it. You don't. Oh, it was the very first, uh, and he got. Okay. You don't get mm. it. It banks at a thousand, then at thirty-two thousand, then at a million. So if you didn't get to a thousand, you get nothing. You just get the embarrassment. He was still of- banking on at zero dollars. Okay. <laughs> My grandparents had a computer version, a computer game version of that. We we beat it one time. I mean, the questions get pretty difficult as you go along. Yeah. Did they send you the million dollars? No. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> there was some kind of animation or something that said that you were a millionaire, but I don't oh, know. Oh, that's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Regis, whatever his face, came to the house and said, holy cow. I don't know what he would have said. I don't watch it. it he just seems to be always really excited slash yelling. So I'm trying to v- imagine how he would react. It was a great game show, but I lost respect for him after he referred to Frodo as the frog from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and the question, the was, frog. <laughs> yeah. The question was, which of the following is not a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> And the guy got it wrong. <laughs> Why did he call him the frog from the Lord of the Rings? Because like after the guy got it wrong and had to leave, Regis was like, yeah, Frodo, the frog from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just read the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was like while the movies were popular, though. I mean, it like I was said, like just really big. Questions. And- it was, I guess it was before that. It was really big in like 99, 2000, and the movies were coming out in like 2001 through 2003. You're right. It would have been shortly before the movies. I bet when he was watching the movies in the theater, he thought, oh man, I said on TV one time that that guy was a frog. <laughs> or man, the director really screwed this one up. Or <laughs> he's not a frog. <laughs> man, that kid looks great for a frog. <laughs> Elijah Wood is pulling off the best portrayal of a frog I've ever seen on screen. And one time he meets Elijah Wood and just like pulls him inside. He's like, just so you know, I don't think you look like a frog. And then just leaves him there with Elijah Wood looking really (laughs) eyes bugged out, like really confused. Does he lick one of his eyeballs? No, that would be more of a (laughs) gecko gecko move. (laughs) Total gecko move. (laughs) I used to want a gecko so bad. They are pretty cool. 
any reptile, really. You probably wouldn't want an anaconda. Well, <laughs> okay, I wanted a snake for a while, but then I found out that you have to feed them mice, and I didn't want to do that, because that's just murdering the mice, and I felt really bad about that. So then I moved on to, to geckos, and never got a gecko. But You could be like one of the crazy people in Florida that decided a Burmese python was a great idea, and then it started getting big enough to kill them and release it into the swamp. <laughs> Or an alligator. You're not winning yourself any favors. <laughs> I think the python's actually worse in terms of just habitat destruction. I was specifically saying that to get on Trevor's bad side. The anacondas can, no, the uh, pythons can actually eat alligators once they're big enough. Which is yeah. bad for that ecosystem. I'm surprised Cast doesn't have a button that allows me to boot people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matthew's getting pretty raucous over there. Ooh. I don't know how to expose <laughs> the best rockets I can do. Going back to geckos for a second, can I tell you something that will make you really jealous, Dustin? Uh, sure. In Singapore, there were geckos running all over the place. Yeah. And my sister would catch them and keep them briefly as pets. That's kind of like how when you hit like Florida or Georgia, there are lizards running around very frequently. Not that there aren't lizards. Yeah in other places but just they occur very commonly there yeah i saw them in the dominican while i was there. i mean really once you've just achieved a climate that doesn't get all that cold you can have them more frequently yeah my uh i had family that lived in a state nearby are we still trying to maintain the facade of yes. living in like <laughs> North Carolina or somewhere? No, we're in generic heartland. Of, no, we're in the generic America. We are in the Americas. That's obviously not Florida. Well, I just told people where I grew up. I feel like that's kind of. Oh, I mean, we're I secretly know. there in the place that Trevor grew up. <laughs> <laughs> so. As if that um, was one place. <laughs> I feel like that's something they could like tell my bank or something if they wanted to steal my account. Yeah, I grew up in... Don't be creepy, guys. I grew up in Looks at Hand. Singapore? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have family that live in the capital city of the state in which you two currently reside. And when we would visit them... I would sometimes see skinks on rocks or in the bushes or things like in that. In Ireland? <laughs> yes. There are no snakes there, but there are skinks, apparently. I mean, that's where you two lives right now, right? Yeah. Where's that boot button? <laughs> Dustin, to... I am not the first person to make that joke. You have done that to us before. What, a boot button? Harping on the phrase you two. When have I done that? I don't remember, but that's, I'm sure it's happened. That's a totally lame joke, and I I would never say such a <laughs> totally. Would You've say never that. made any lame jokes. Oh, I make Dustin, them all the time. The um, <laughs> yes, the park that I watched the eclipse in, which isn't altogether too far away, um, has a dramatic shift in topography because it's actually an old, um, like quartz quarry. Super volcano. It's an oh, old sorry. quartz quarry that <laughs> was mined a while back and then they abandoned and like the big caldera they had mined out filled in with water. So it made a lake there that 
but the because it's all quartzy and miney, there's like a lot of white sand and harsh mineraliness everywhere. There are actually cactuses grow cacti growing around it, and there are many skinks there. Apparently, they like the yeah. deserty conditions. <laughs> well, yeah, I just <laughs> I just realized that when when you first said skink. I had a total brain fart and was thinking of stoats, which is totally different. But then when Matthew continued talking about skinks, I realized my mistake. You mean Supreme Chancellor Stoat? <laughs> It'd be so much better if he yes, was Supreme please. Chancellor Stoat. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. So my in-laws visited tonight and we watched The Force Awakens. I'm sorry. <laughs> How did that go? Um, I just want to say that after Snoke had been mentioned a few times, Who? my father-in-law turned to me. I have never spoken with him about this. My father-in-law turned to me and said, that is just not a good name. <laughs> I agree, Trevor's father-in-law. That's all. <laughs> oh, man. Shall I give us a proper intro for this episode? Oh, yes. Sure. Do we need one? <laughs> Do people know who we are at this point? Sure. Maybe. <laughs> we, we've got, what, three listeners? I don't know how I got subscribed to this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the U2 album. I can't get it off of my phone. <laughs> Why do people keep complaining about that? It was a wonderful gift. I don't know. It's free music. It was a beautiful thing. It was. They graced you with their music. Oh, I heard a, I heard someone complain about that recently. It was it's total garbage. The complaints, not the album. The yeah, the complaints are. I for some reason was trying to think of some. I wanted to voice a criticism from some imaginary person about how they were like really into some crappy pop and be like, "Shut up! I want to listen to my thing." And then the voice was going to be like a deep southern voice like shut up i just wanted to listen to my and the first crappy pop artist that came to mind was ariana grande which did not fit the gruff voice i was doing so it would have been a nice it would have been a humorous juxtaposition and now that i thoroughly explained the joke i'm not going to bother actually enacting it (laughs) i i have the philosophy that a joke is always improved after you explain it you are in the minority opinion (laughs) I didn't say for whom it improves. <laughs> Ask not for whom the joke improves. It's no one. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> okay. Ask for n- not for whom the joke improves. It's Dustin. <laughs> Can be our new axiom of explaining jokes. When I was teaching most okay, of I- what I. <laughs> what? What trip? I was going to try to give us a proper intro. I Okay. If you if you have a little bit more, wrap up the. No, whatever. No, it's fine. For some reason, the phrase "a proper intro" sounds like you should say it with a like the concern for it sounds and just saying the phrase sounds British. Like I I just feel like we need a proper intro here. <laughs> like I, I don't know, had that kind <laughs> of tonality. Anyway, go on, Trevor. Like we're going to a ball. You can feel free to wrap up the thought, but I didn't want to interrupt you because after the intro, we will probably talk about something different. When I was teaching, I would always tell the kids, most of what I say is an inside joke with myself. 
Like I just say things that I think are funny and I know no one else will understand. And that's part of the funniness. Did that make them any more merciful? No. And that also (laughs) made it funnier (laughs) because they just thought I was stupid and I just laughed at them. Oh no, I got lots of hate mail and I got negative (laughs) post-course evaluations, which my school doesn't even do. The kids wrote them up themselves. (laughs) I'm proud of the initiative, but kind of horrified by the results. (laughs) It was a grassroots course review initiative (laughs) inspired by Dustin's jokes. Swarm tells horrible jokes. I don't understand what he's talking about most of the time. (laughs) And then he just explains them to us. And they're not funny, but he laughs even more. And then he reads us these dinosaur comics (laughs) that aren't funny, but he laughs a lot. In my mind, this was all (sighs) one run-on sentence. And a lot of the letters, it was like drawn like kindergarten letters. So a lot of the letters were backwards. (laughs) 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 <laughs> did i ever show you my the papers i had to grade i hope not that'd probably be a <laughs> wouldn't that be like a confidentiality violation or something not if i covered their names <laughs> hey some people put them on reddit i guess if you cover the names up and obscure where you are and make it impossible to yeah i guess maybe you i you're walking a fine line what about that introduction Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Trevor. I'm I'm Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we plan, sometimes we don't. (laughs) And in the spirit of our unplanned introduction, uh, I will also mention that we are doing an episode without a main topic, so we have a list of things we're going to work through. Um... We're going to kind of uh, finish up some lingering follow-up. And then we got a few other things on our minds. So, would anybody like to get us started on that? <laughs> Can you say that again? I didn't hear you. <clears throat> anybody what? Welcome? What? <laughs> <laughs> what was your question? My question was, what was your question? <laughs> I'm going to start with a piece of follow-up from last episode. In episode 21, we spoke about an article regarding the Field Museum and the status of Sue in the main gallery versus getting her own gallery and the addition of a titanosaur. And in the episode, we speculated that Matthew had probably told us about it. And I just want to note that the article was actually sent to us by listener Curtis in Slack. So... Um, as previously mentioned on other shows, Slack is a place where we talk about things. And if you want to get in on that conversation, then you should email us at feedback at betterworlds.net and we'll send you an invitation. It's like being a part of the podcast. It's a fistful of fun. And for a few fistfuls more. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) For for a few fun more. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the fun. I feel like I killed the show with the introduction. Yeah, you killed it, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, not like, wait, not like, oh my gosh, the millennials writing about themselves, like the, the, the other people writing about millennials. Are millennials killing introductions to podcasts? <laughs> They're killing everything Mr. else. Greatest murderers. That's uh, something we should do an episode about, like just discussing everything that the millennials have killed off and what what remains in this post-apocalyptic death land. Oh, I thought you meant an episode about history's greatest monsters. <laughs> oh, we totally... That too. I'm adding that to <laughs> the idea. How are we construing history here? Can we include Godzilla? <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Starting in 1954, he begins terrorizing japan and shows up in differing roles throughout the remaining throughout the pursuing decades taking a brief break in 2004 why are we reading hey i was trying to do a history of okay anyway you know what we should actually really dovetail into here that i think everyone who's listening is just on the edge of their seats waiting for is a finland fact oh no finland fact coming right up um, so <laughs> Finland, <laughs> Finland has had kind of a tumultuous past and only recently became a country recently in the grand scheme of time, I guess. But, uh, so between the 12th and 19th centuries, Finland was actually part of Sweden. And after, uh, that it was a portion of the Russian empire and eventually gained its uh, independence in the Russian Revolution in 1917. Well, during the Russian Revolution. When are you going to explain the joke? That's the joke. Was that what I was supposed to say? No, I was just... Never mind. There are layers to my humor (laughs) that you might not understand. Like an onion. (laughs) I was making a joke about how bored I was with the Finland fact. Oh, <laughs> continue. Wow. No, I was done. So wait, that was the whole fact. That was the whole fact. I, I've been trying to keep them short because I know how much you love them. Maybe I shouldn't have tuned out halfway through. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. And I mean, in December, we are totally going to do a Finland centric episode to celebrate the hundredth anniversary, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. Just checking and putting a teaser out there. I, you know, I think it should just be Finland month. Finland winter. Now is the winter of Trevor's discontent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's one, it has a nickname of land of the, of the thousand lakes because it has 188,000 lakes. And so we could dub it podcast of the land of the thousand lakes or land of the thousand. Po- I don't know. So Minnesota we'll just really that. wanted to uh, one up them, huh? How many lakes does Minnesota have? I think it's land of 10,000 lakes, isn't it? Well, maybe. I don't know. Yep. No, wait. That says 10,000 stories. Nope. 10,000 lakes comes up. Finland still has more lakes. Yep. That's the state's nickname. Land of 10,000 lakes is apt as there are 11,842 Minnesota lakes over 10 acres in size. Yeah. So 11,000 something and compared to 188,000. Oh, I wasn't saying they didn't win. I was just saying in na- naming themselves they tried to one up it. Gotcha. 
Um, another nickname for Finland is Land of Midnight Sun, which I think is kind of a lame nickname because you could call any place that far north Land of Midnight Sun. Yeah, if you're going by sheer volume of land exposed to a midnight sun, you'd probably have to give it to Russia. Or Right, yeah, I'm just, I'm saying like that's not very specific. and Or maybe Canada, I don't know. I guess you'd have to do a study of how much land is exposed, and uh, that's probably more effort than it's worth. Yeah, so what I hear Trevor complaining about is he he needs, he's got a fever, and the only prescription is more Finland trivia. So I'm going to try and pull up some more stuff. <laughs> Am I the only one who brought actual follow-up to our all-follow-up episode? We're following up on the important things. Yeah. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> Not that you're bitter. Well, one of the um, actual follow-up things you decided to nix, so... Don't hate us. I nixed one of my three follow-up... Wait, wait, you have three follow-up four? things? I have three or four, yeah. I, I I'm seeing... No, I, I saw one that's an actual follow-up. You are mistaken. I, I am, I'm sure. I won't argue that. Would you like me to move to my second follow-up item? If you don't believe me? This episode is surprisingly standoffish. Do you want to know what time it is in Finland? <laughs> It'll be different when people listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Time-shifted entertainment may be the <laughs> worst <laughs> venue for such facts. I really want like our one finish list to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they say that, but I hope so. We'll get an email. I listened to this at exactly the right time. I don't know what kind of accent I'm doing. I'm just I don't know what a finished accent sounds like, so I'm I think you were trying to do Scandinavian. Anyway. I wasn't trying to do Indian, that's just what it sounded no, I, like. Oh I no I said Scandinavian. I felt like you were trying to do that. Oh, Scandinavian. I was going for Scandinavian, and I was worried it sounded Indian. Anyway, <laughs> what time is it in Finland when people are listening to this, Dustin? I don't know, but I, all I was going to say is they are in the they are at uh, their time is GMT plus two hours. Oh, that's a much more useful answer than I expected. Yeah, take that. I thought you were going to say what time it was right now. <laughs> no. Okay. So it's like right, in, like what seven in the morning there? Is that right? Well, that's going to give... Never nope, mind. never mind. So I was going like five, six, seven, eight in the morning. Eh, one of those. I'm not sure I actually did the calculation right. So it's morning time in Finland. It would be... Noon. Wait, what? It'd be 1250. Pretty sure. No, hey, haha, JK. Yeah, I did that wrong. It would be, yeah, 6.51. Yeah, morning time. Yeah, you were right. I was wrong. They're drinking all the coffee, like guzzling it like they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not just a morning time thing. So they apparently do it all the time. In their sauna. Mm-hmm. Fearing the Christmas goat. <laughs> Sisu. All right, Trevor, what's your other follow-up? My other follow-up item was... We spent a while in episode 21 discussing asteroids and Star Destroyers and various things falling from orbit or from further than orbit and hitting the planet and how much destruction it would cause. 
and like if um if Snoke's next star destroyer would do more damage than the standard Cretaceous asteroid, or if the executor would have been enough to take out the second Death Star, all that. And this reminded me of something in a book, which is uh, in the book Anathem. This is a minor spoiler, but it's like two thirds of the way through a thousand page book. So um, I've never succeeded in getting very many people to read this book. So I'm just going to say it. Um, a spaceship attacks a planet by simply propelling a massive metal rod into the planet. So it's like a mass accelerator cannon? A little bit, except I don't think they have the mass acceleration technology, but perhaps a bit like that. But they just dropped this huge metal rod. Um, In the specific case of the book Anathem, they send it into a dormant volcano and well, actually I think it's dormant. I don't know. They send it into a volcano causing a huge eruption and destroying Hmm. like a whole city. Um, But I kind of followed that thread and found that this is a whole thing called kinetic bombardment where the idea is basically just drop something with a lot of mass from orbit and try to get it to, hit wherever you want. Um, usually it's a tungsten rod. Um, it shows up in a lot of science fiction things. Wikipedia mentioned mass effect two, but I don't know specifically why. Do you know either of you? It's been a long time since I played that one. Okay. I can't remember why that would be the case. So I don't think any planets. In Anathem, okay. What's that? I said I don't think any planets were devastated like that in Mass Effect Two. I did see actually when I tried to figure out why it was referenced. All I found was one. Is it called the Data Bank? Probably. <laughs> the data. Uh, I know the the in game yeah. encyclopedia thing. Um, the Data Bank mentions a planet that had been devastated by kinetic oh. bombardment, but I don't know if it's like actually in the game. Anyway, um, in Anathem, it's launched from a spaceship. Usually, it seems that these things would be launched from satellites. And the idea would be you have satellites in orbit with these rods ready for use whenever you need them. And they're actually kind of an interesting concept for real life because, pardon me. How did that window close? (laughs) They're actually interesting for real life because, um, Dustin, have you ever heard of the Outer Space Treaty? Yes. I was not aware of this. Do you know much about it? So that um, it's like... Kind of like international waters. Yeah. Is that um, what you mean? Kind of. It's like a, there is a real treaty called the Outer Space Treaty governing international space law. And one of the main purposes is to 
prohibit weapons of mass destruction being used in orbit or outer space, but it only specifically addresses nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons. So, equipping satellites with giant tungsten rods that can be dropped from orbit is not covered by the treaty. So, it could theoretically be a way of working around the letter of the law. I would like you to know we've only violated the spirit of the law and not the letter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if any nations want to violate the spirit of international space law regarding weapons of mass destruction, that might be their ticket. This is not advice I want to be handing out, Trevor. <laughs> Hopefully no future dictators are listening to this episode. Only the other episodes... Welcome to Worse Worlds. <laughs> All of them. Better worlds. <laughs> this is not a recipe for a better world. Anyway, I just thought that was all really interesting because just things dropping from orbit and causing destruction reminded me of that. And I started pulling the thread and found that there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So when you wrote kinetic bombardment in the Trello card, I was thinking of just how back in the day when you know catapults would sling rocks that's kind of kinetic <laughs> yeah. bombardment yeah i mean a gun could be considered right. i don't know a lot of things could be considered kinetic bombardment hey that was just a mass it wasn't chemically attacking you it wasn't nuclear it was... hey trevor you should I think... be really interested in this uh sport called baseball it prominently features con- kinetic bombardment um, especially when I play. <laughs> yeah. Not that I've ever been injured playing baseball. Um, I'm now just imagining pitch Trevor pitching and like constantly beating players in the face. And it would be, <laughs> I thought the goal was to knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant because I couldn't catch the ball and I'd just be getting hit with it. Well, as a pitcher, you wouldn't necessarily need to catch a ball. No. <laughs> Nobody ever let me pitch. He throws the ball, he pitches, and then they just roll it back to him on the mound. Oh, man. People would be stealing on him. The highest I ever sended in my baseball career was third base. What? It was a glorious season. What? You got to... Can you say that again? The highest I ever ascended in my baseball career was third base. As in, so you got to third base while running? The no, bases, like or? as, um, no, when my team was not batting. <laughs> so you were playing third base. Yes. <laughs> you guys are talking about me pitching. I never pitched. I mean, there's no real high order when it's defense positions. So there's. When it says you the highest you got, that made it sound like you the, you only you never actually made it home. Like you always got tagged out at home, or like you only were able to get to third base and just never got when, to actually score a run. When you're talking about kids baseball, there is a definite hierarchy. They're not going to put somebody at first base who can't catch. Yeah, in infield is higher. Yeah, infield's higher. A lot of the um, I spent most of my childhood baseball career in the outfield. And then I, at some point 
got into the infield and that was a big accomplishment. That's fair. Yeah. Trevor, I would let I would like you to know that I never once played an infield position. So you are quantitatively better at baseball than I am. Full disclosure, <laughs> my team was very bad. I never <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat as Dustin with baseball, but in kickball I played first base, which is where you put the bad fielders <laughs> in baseball. So in actual baseball. In kids baseball, you put the kid who can catch it first so that you don't end up with the five minute thing where the ball goes way over when they don't catch it and everything. Right. I feel like in kickball, you want the good people in the outfield because of all the jerks who kick it really far. (laughs) Jerks. That's like the point. (laughs) The point. (laughs) Well, you know, like the two kids who are actually athletic can kick it like a mile. Well, they just understood kinetic bombardment. (laughs) I did not expect to address this topic. It's bringing up a lot of bitter feelings. What were we talking about? Apparently, we need to do a kickball game just to help exercise Trevor's demons on this. (laughs) Wait, didn't we do a kickball? They don't need exercise. Trevor, did you do that kickball game we did that one time? Were you? No, there was totally a time we did a kickball game. We played softball. No. I don't recall that. Yeah, but I don't. I'm also remembering, I thought we did a softball game. Maybe it was kickball. Maybe I think I'm that not. was after I graduated. That wouldn't make any sense. But while what? you were still there. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? You and Matthew graduated at the same time. I don't know if Matthew was there. I know that Betsy and Hannah and Dustin were there. For the a softball game or a kickball game? The softball game. Oh, okay. That's... Oh, okay. I don't remember the kickball game. Were you at the kickball game, Dustin? I, there were a lot of people at that kickball game. What so is I happening in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sportier Worlds. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a kickball game. I remember a softball game and a bocce ball. Game. I think this is weird because I feel like I remember you being in the kickball game, but I may have been. I'm just saying I don't remember it. I I've got a pretty crappy memory. I remember Hannah was there because she pitched for one of the teams. <laughs> now it's entirely possible that I am remembering the kickball game as a softball game. But then what's Trevor remembering as a softball game? The baseball game. Baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Was the fight... <laughs> we played so many sports in our day. <laughs> Was the fight club still around when you guys... The fight club? Showed up, or did that disappear after my freshman year? There was a there was an actual fight club? Trevor, did you just break the rule? I thought it well, was... Well, if you asked any questions, I was going to say I don't want to talk about it. Well, you, you're doing it now. <laughs> You're not referencing PC. What? Paint club? What? <laughs> Does, did he? Okay. Oh, don't even start that. <laughs> did he know about that? I would assume so. Yeah, he knew Shut about up. that. <laughs> we should probably like move on from all of our... This is awkward. I knew about it, but I never got invited, and it was kind of a sore point for me. Well, I don't think many people got invited. I know I didn't. Well, I did just I don't think you need to feel bad. That's kind of like saying like, 
I don't know, like, I've never been president. Like, there, there are not many people have. <laughs> it's a very small group. <laughs> hey, yeah, but I hear anyone can do it. Well, that's kind of, uh, you could argue if that's being proven. Oh, I remember what the Fight Club was called. It wasn't called Fight Club. <laughs> so you can talk about it. What was it called? Um, it was essentially a pseudo fight club arranged around finger jousting. What? What was it called? <laughs> it was called finger jousting. Was Galbraith in it? It was called finger jousting. Everybody just called it finger jousting. Yeah. Oh my was Galbraith in on this? I remember doing that. I mean, not at, not in any organized fashion, but. Oh, no. My, okay. So this was just my freshman year, I guess. A lot of guys would go out onto the field at night and do it. <laughs> oh man. College students. It sounds like, and the whole thing was like, everybody would like, you know, those like bands, like karate people put on their heads. Yes. Yeah. Everybody would wear those in finger joust. Did they stand around with tiki torches? There weren't tiki torches, but everybody would stand around and watch two people do it at once. Oh, man. Did you ever participate? If it was your first night, you had to participate. (laughs) Oh, man. I still feel like I'm not supposed to talk about this. Let's cut all the sports stuff. (laughs) No, this is great. You're going to have, like, someone come to your door and they just are going to finger joust you to death now for violating the sacred bond of silence. Speaking of sports stuff, Trevor, I hear you kick some butt in chess recently. And I would like to hear about that. I won money at a chess tournament. No big deal. <laughs> no, that is a big deal. <laughs> NBD. How much money did you win? I've never won money in anything. I won $62.50. Get out. How much did you have to pay to participate? Um, $20. That is a huge return on investment. Yeah. And it only took like eight hours of work. Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, fun. (laughs) I want to hear about it. So you worked for less than minimum wage? Um, Oh, so (laughs) I was rewarded for having fun. No, he funned for less than minimum (laughs) wage. Um, It was a one-day chess tournament, four rounds. Um, most chess tournaments are divided into classes, which each span like 200 rating points. This was a small tournament. So everybody was together, but in addition to the prizes to the people who won the tournament overall, they gave prizes to the best score in each class. So, I tied for first place in class D. D is a great letter. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. It's a good letter. It's got to be like the best class, right? Yeah. We always call it Delta class. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The part that I was particularly proud of is that in the last round, I drew somebody 350 rating points higher than me. So that felt pretty good. Wow. 
and you beat them? I could have won it. I missed it, but oh. I drew what? Oh, you. Oh, oh okay. I see. My dad, who is rated much higher than I am and higher than the guy that I drew, showed me afterwards how I could have won it at one point. So when you said I drew someone, I thought that meant like you were matched up against them. It means that the game ended in a draw rather than either person winning. Were you limited in time or moves? Yes, it was game 65 for each person. So 65 minutes on each person's clock, as well as a five-second delay. So the clock doesn't start counting down for the first five seconds. And for probably the last 25 minutes of the game, I had 46 seconds left on my clock. Because I just had to like move within the five seconds. Because <laughs> I used my time up way before he did. Mm. But then he ended up using up his time near the end once he started realizing that it was looking very drosh he started using a lot more of his time and then he got really low and then he offered a draw when we both had less than a minute on our clock um and he actually still had a win available but he would not have been able to pull it off in the time he had Hmm. and it would have been kind of dumb for it to just go down to time when we both had less than a minute and it was a very drawish position so if the time ran out and no one had uh checkmated what would happen whoever's clock runs out first loses oh really wow i mean with the five second delay you can keep going indefinitely right but it still could be tough to do a win under those parameters Hmm. i think i don't remember if I actually don't even know if he offered the draw or if he, um, one way that a draw can happen is if the same position is repeated three times, which once you have just Kings and pawns left, it's easy to do that. And I honestly don't know if he moved back and forth until he had repeated the position three times and then said it was a draw or if he was offering me a draw. All I know is, at the point where I was like, this is like, this is a draw. He said draw. And I was like, yep. So hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it was by repetition or by an offered and accepted draw. I see. It's effectively the same thing in this case. Yeah. Either way you won $62 and some change. Yep. I'm, and I'm it was the last game that finished for the last round. And so as soon as we were done, I heard the tournament director say, congratulations, you made some money with that draw. Like, nice. <laughs> nice. Speaking to you? Yep. Nice. And my opponent immediately said, does that mean I get money too? <laughs> <laughs> now he's secretly plotting his revenge. Sorry, Buck. Force me into a draw, you filthy whatever your rating is. <laughs> yeah. You filthy animal. But yes, I have also joined the local chess club finally, so hopefully there will be nice. much more chess in my future. So pretty soon we're going to be calling you Grandmaster Trevor. Um, pretty soon you're not going to find all of my chess stories interesting enough to ask about. <laughs> I challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this one. Well, he went for the Rashmaninov opening, and I, had a, I don't know, I was making up a thing. Don't yell at me. I know it's not a thing. <laughs> 
I don't want any feedback. It sounded like a thing. I don't want any feedback. <laughs> I just picked a Russian-sounding name and went with it, because that's how chess works. They have that? openings like that. Rashmaninov? It's not a thing. Stop. I think that's a composer. <laughs> the Tchaikovsky trip, trick, whatever. The only Russians oh. I know are composers and authors. <laughs> and dictators. The Shostakovich stunt. Oh, wow. I spelled that name wrong. Rachmaninov is a Russian composer. What are you looking up, Trevor? I'm looking to see if there's a Rashmaninoff opening. I Rashmaninoff. just said I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Trevor, you were opening chess uh, before we started recording. Why don't you guys tell me about this week in Destiny? Destiny 2, to be specific. How's it holding up? What's good? What's bad? What am I missing? What do you mean I was opening chests before we started? Cade chests. I thought you said something. You were doing Cade chests. Oh, chests. Yeah. I thought you said chess, and I was like, no. I know we were just talking about chess, but I don't know what we're talking about now. Sorry, I, could, I don't speak clearly all the time. No, I just don't hear clearly all the time. Chests. I was opening chests. This past week was the return of Iron Banner. Oh, boy. <laughs> My favorite time. The... Not anymore. <laughs> they made the armor kind of samurai-ish. Like, still oh, okay. armory, but they definitely had, like, some samurai nods. Like the creepy face? Trevor's did. Trevor. For the hunter, yeah. Ugh. Oh, Trevor, we need to get a screenshot of... Can we get a screenshot of your helmet and put yeah. it in follow-up? Yeah, I'll get a screenshot. It was horrible. I would like to see it now. Let's okay. No, no, his helmet, it had like the bottom weird face mask, like scowly thing. And then the top part of it was supposed to be like kind of an elegant nighty thing. And they were trying to blend east and west and just failed so badly. <laughs> and the problem is that no matter what shader you apply to it, the bottom ends up looking like horrifically bright molded plastic. So I looked through all my shaders and picked the worst one and applied it just to drive home how much I hate the helmet. I can um, one, not one of <laughs> that story. I can make you feel maybe mildly better about that in that out of like the dozen packages I got, I received, I did get armor in half of it. Each time it was the same thing and it was the bond that I got in my first package again and again and again. So all I wanted was the cape and I didn't get it. Wah, wah. Context for those listening, the Bond is the Warlock class item, and the Cloak or Cape is the Hunter class item. A Bond is just an arm circlet. It's the least flary of all of the yeah. class items. A bicep bracelet. A Cape or Cloak is exactly as amazing as it sounds. Yeah, not as and not as Iron Banner as ones are always a... best, because they have nice like trees that look kind of Gondory and stuff. I'm I'm looking for this helmet and I'm not finding a picture. I'll send you a thing later. But yeah, um, I did get a lot of weapons. But I guess that was a plus. Maybe. Oh, ugh. I found it. Oh, you found it. <laughs> <laughs> I found a picture that's not very close, and I I already think that it's pretty. Ugh. The idea of incorporating the samurai stuff is not in and of itself bad. It could have been cool, but they did not really pull it off. Oh, you know the way samurai armor kind of has like a little bit of a skirt to it, just because like the mm -hmm. armor tunic thing kind of goes a little low? 
the way they implemented that is that the lower portion of the part that would go over your body is simply incorporated into the leg armor. So if you wear just the leg armor, it's like you're wearing a skirt with whatever other chest plate you have on. And it just does not work well. Specifically for the, for the hunters. Yeah. I don't see that on the Titan. I'm not seeing a close up picture of the hunter helmet, but I'm not thrilled with the Titan armor. Yeah, so the main problem, besides our quibbles about the armor not necessarily looking the best, um, vendors don't hardly sell anything anymore, including Lord Saladin of the Iron Banner. You can't rank up. Like, in the old Iron Banner, it would say, like, at rank 2, you can buy this. At rank 3, you can buy that. And then, like, at rank 5, you can buy this nice weapon. Um, And, like, the cape is available this time. Um, this time all of the items were quote unquote available, but you couldn't explicitly buy any of them. You just have to rank up and turn in your tokens and hope that you get the thing you're looking for. And there's no, and if you did 10 total packages, then you got an emblem that is only gettable in that particular iron banner from what it sounds like, but also it's just an emblem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? And I don't think the emblem gives a reputation buff like it did in the past either. No, but there's not even a reputation to get. <laughs> I guess you get token buffs, but I don't, they're not really buffing tokens. Um, oh, and Dustin, they took out post game drops, like stuff you could get. Oh yeah. Iron bannery from playing the match. It can still drop regular stuff but not Iron Banner stuff by playing an Iron Banner match. That is... That is a ludicrous display. But they've also really kind of split up the loot drops for everything. So, like, instead of getting drops... I mean, this is kind of a cool idea. Like, each planet has its own set of armor that drops from activities... And then Crucible has its own set. And then Vanguard has its own set. Instead of just like getting engrams and taking them to the Cryptarch and then getting who knows what, you're getting specific stuff for specific activities. To some degree, that's cool because if you know you want something, you can go to a specific place to try to get it. But if you need to do something somewhere else, like you need to do Crucible for Iron Banner, all you're getting is sword flight well for the hunter the armor set is called sword flight and it looks terrible and the only stat it gives you is mobility and i don't need it like at all i don't even need the legendary shards that it gives me just seeing it makes me sad so it does that the hunters do have the best looking set of the armors though i think that's the only thing to say for it yeah for crucible Oh, I'm sorry for the Iron Banner. I was okay. Yeah, other than the helmet. Yeah, if you t- if you factor out the helmet, I think that it's the strongest armor design set. Um, caveat: the pants look terrible without the chest, and I didn't get the chest. Go figure. The cape is the best part, and I didn't get the cape. <laughs> you could have the way the warlocks look with the uh, top knot. The Titans have a top knot too. 
Yeah, I saw that. It actually took me a second to figure out which one was Warlock and which one was Titan. Titans have wolf shoulders. But I see now. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> the other thing, it's heavy armor for the hunters, which is not as bad as mobility because mobility is literally a completely worthless stat that is the easiest thing to get for hunters. Um, it's heavy armor, which gives you resilience, which is not quite as useless, but still pretty useless. It has diminishing returns as you increase it. And I, I just really need recovery because that's the only one that actually gets better. The more of it you have. Um, and so I pretty much have to wear at least a couple of recovery pieces of armor with recovery mods as well to get my recovery up to five. Five is the highest I've been able to get it out of 10. Out of, out of 10. Out of 10, you said. Yeah. Okay. If I don't intentionally wear armor that gives me recovery and put recovery mods in it, then I have like two recovery and then like, I'll have seven resilience or mobility, which is not really helpful, but wearing, let's see my main set of armor. I've got recovery, which they call survivalist helmet and chest plate. I'm wearing heavy arms and then my boots are an exotic. So that's not much of a choice there. And then I have recovery mods in two places, which I think is the most I can do. And that brings me up to five. And then I have the recovery node selected everywhere that I have the option of selecting it. It's just weird that like I'm totally all in on maxing out my recovery and I can only get it halfway there. Anyway. It sounds like the shine is wearing off the game for you, Trevor. Maybe. Um, Oh, you want to hear about the chests I was opening? Sure. Do you want to say anything about the chests, Matthew? Uh, you can go ahead. I, w- I want to let you intro the chests, and then I'll tell you how my hunting went. Every week, Cade offers you on the specific... There's a specific planet that you have to go do public events on to get a powerful reward for. And on that planet, he has... Ju- there's just, like, I guess a mild story element of like he was walking around and dropped these chests that have loot in them because of various silly situations he got into. Um, and then he will sell you a map to want there are five each week on a planet and he'll sell you a map to those for 5,000 glimmer, which is if you maxed out the amount, you can have 5% of what you have. So it's a fairly hefty, yeah, it's it's moderately expensive, and usually they, the chests just have like a blue reward, which you can get from pretty much anything. <laughs> the The caveat is you also can; it's the only place to get like a whole bunch of emblems they have in there, and they can also drop exotics. So some people will go and be like, I got three exotics from my chest this week. And other people will be like, I've never gotten an exotic. (laughs) So my hunting, uh, the first couple that I tried to find, I was right where they were supposed to be on the map and I couldn't find them. I did manage to find three chests. There's, are there five or six total each week? Five. 
Okay, five total, and they cost 4,800 glimmer each. I spent all of my glimmer to get these chests. All that I had left. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. How much do they cost each? 4,800. I thought he just said it was 5,000 for the map. No, for each map. Oh my goodness. Right, for each map. Each map leads to one chest. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that is hefty. Yeah, and he was just rounding up the cost. Um, So I spent all my glimmer on these. Um, Not even all at once. Like throughout the week, I'd be like, oh, I can buy another one now. Um, And then tonight I finally went to go find them. I managed to find three of them. I can find others if I look for a tutorial or whatever. Um, But in my rush, I wasn't able to find all of them. I found three. The first one gave me one of what they call Cade's odds and ends, which you can trade into him for 100 glimmer. Ooh. The second chest gave me another of Cade's odds and ends, another 100 glimmer, and a blue, which I can dismantle for like, what, 25 glimmer? No, I think it's 100. It's 100 and some parts. 100 glimmer. Yeah, okay. Okay, so far so far, my return on investment for two $4,800 chests is 300 glimmer. The third chest was empty. It was empty. <laughs> I had that happen to me yeah. and was convinced it was a glitch. And then Trevor found that it could just happen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I have two chests left. I don't know if they're even worth opening. Oh, man. That's too funny. <laughs> Should we also... Cade Six, the guy who sells you these treasure maps, is voiced by Nathan Fillion, a.k.a. Malcolm Reynolds. Um, and the nature of his character, some people are speculating that none of this is really a glitch or a balancing issue. It's just a scam. The character is running in the game and we're all falling for it. <laughs> I, that would be funny. There is some like background storytelling that like you find pages from Cade's journal that helps you understand some of this character that maybe is actually kind of like depressing. So you don't want to do it, but it's there. Have you been following that part, Trevor? I have, yeah. It's kind of sad. Cade 6 is also an EXO, which is the the race that I play. I have some thoughts on the EXO that I would like to share with you too later. We don't need to go into that much detail now, especially considering... I did want to, as part of the Destiny follow-up, talk about our efforts where we said, hey, we should since it is Iron Banner week, go in and do Iron Banner together. <laughs> um, I do want to note that we did many games together. And in fact, the, between the, if it had just been the two of us, like just measured on our performances, would have been pretty okay. We would have done better without teammates. It just kept pairing us with pl- generously morons. It was... <laughs> just people would like spawn immediately run off continually into groups of enemies get mowed down give the enemy points not try to cap zones not never try to play with the it was just we would just stand there helplessly and be like oh yep oh he's yeah well all the enemies are on c and he's just running right in there okay yep okay he's dead now and it gives you at the end a little thing (laughs) that says like you killed this many people and you did this and it gives you an efficiency which is your kills and assists divided by your deaths. Trevor and I were usually positive and our teammates were, I guess also positive, but frat. Like, okay. It's 
we were above one <laughs> and our teammates were there were some games we were above two or three even we were well above one and the teammates were uh fractional <laughs> yeah and it happened so many times that i was like i don't think we should play together because i think it's just like I don't know, somehow like the way the algorithm was working was like working against us. And then there were occasions where it was like, yep, that paired us with either three or four people in a group. Yeah. I think the fact that it recognized us as a team kind of gave us a little bit of a handicap or they were, I don't know, they were pairing us against teams who might be more used to crucible or I don't know, maybe, maybe when we're alone, we get put with other pairs of people and we are more cooperative with those pairs than the singletons were with us that could be i'm just pointing out like we were competent and like i'm not saying we're even very good we were just understood the basic mechanics of how the thing would work and it felt like it paired us with people who treated it like just a slayer match in halo or something there is yeah there's well one of the maps has a little section that is out across a chasm with a single bridge leading to it. There's a single bridge and then a couple of man cannons, which are like things you can jump in and get launched over to it. Um, but you cannot just jump over the chasm. And I think <laughs> it was the first game we played. Oh, yeah. We spawned. <laughs> and then the guy in front of us just charged for the chasm and took a flying leap and fell into to his the death. chasm. Fell and to Matthew was like, me. well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> And we, we didn't actually hit the mercy rule, did we? There, I don't know if it exists in this. I, I've heard rumors that it does, but yeah, it was very bad. It was a really <laughs> bad game. We got beat like, I don't know, a hundred to, I don't know. I don't know what the gap was. It was insane. Um, and then like a few rounds later, that map came up again and somebody did exactly <laughs> the same thing again. And I was like, uh, Matthew, did you see that? But yeah, let's just leave. <laughs> and we, it is considered very bad form to leave a game early, but we did it a couple times that night. Yeah. And that specifically there were, yeah, <laughs> I don't need, no, it was bad enough. I don't even feel really need to defend it. Um, I did want to point out one other thing that Dustin might find amusing. That's not iron banner related. Are you familiar, Dustin, with the Ministry of Silly Walks from Monty Python? I am familiar with its existence. Uh, they made an emote in the game that's the main Silly Walk. <laughs> and then people realized they could use it to glitch through walls, and so then they have stopped selling it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. They didn't take it away from people who had it, because... In theory, you could have paid real money to get it, so they couldn't do that, but they've removed that. And I just think it's really funny that people realized the silly walks could, in fact, break the game. Interesting. I am looking that up now. Anyway. So, Matthew, do you feel like it is... Time to um, cancel the apocalypse again? Oh, I thought you were transitioning. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> I get what you did there. Um, do you do you feel like it's holding up to 
um, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I'm just watching this <laughs> silly walk and it is quite, quite silly. <laughs> quite silly. <laughs> yeah. That looks just painful. Some of them are. No, I mean like if I were to try to actually walk like that. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> are you still satisfied with Destiny 2 or? I mean for the. Is it? Uh, in terms of like our entertainment to dollar ratio, it's probably I'm fine with that. Um, it's just like the it's fine with the content that's in there. They probably need to do more to keep it fresh. That I don't know that they are doing, but um, and I do think they had there are the criticisms we've mentioned about like the way Iron Banner worked specifically need to be addressed. But I think those were loudly voiced by pretty much everyone. So I can't imagine they won't do some tuning with the way it works. Right. And there's still a lot of things that's fun. Like we're complaining because we do like it in a sense. Um, And the actual playing of the game is still fun, like using the guns and stuff. And I do want to point out the way Crucible works now, you need it's much more team focused. Like you need to stay in a group and you use that to fight people. And when it works, it's much more how I want to play a multiplayer game than the way it was in Destiny One. So in a way it's I like that it's more team focused now. Yeah. Even though I think that there are people who strongly dislike that because they can't go do the lone wolf stuff as easily. And we'll still be going back for nightfalls and stuff, and eventually there will be TLC, I guess. Yeah, and the um, the planet environment, I still think, is are superior to the Destiny original ones. Yeah. I haven't even... I'm not even close to having all the adventures finished. Oh, ne- neither am I. I. I guess that's a nice thing, is that I, you don't feel rushed to do those, and you they are content that you can kind of save for your own pace. And they don't have like big rewards, but they're fun and relaxing to do. And they're kind of pseudo story. I had mentioned that destiny had story missions that felt like they were there just to plant seeds for DLC. I think some of the adventures may be doing that in this case, because some of them it's like, Oh, that feels kind of like a nice seed of something that they might develop later. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is not a destiny episode. So in the freeform nature of this episode. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I actually do have a piece of follow-up that I added. I just forgot that it was follow-up. Um, so Matthew, are you ready to cancel the apocalypse again? Is that what you said earlier? Yes. Okay. We so are ready was, to cancel the apocalypse again. That was really good. Uh, lead into this uh so we watched i watched the pacific rim uprising trailer and i listed it in trello as trailer two but i think the first one was probably just called a teaser um this was the first version that i saw that actually had like movie scenes in it um whenever we first talked about pacific rim uprising in our comic con episode i expressed um some uncertainty with the fact that only one Jaeger pilot was shown. Um, but in this trailer, there are clearly 
multiple Jaeger pilots for any one Jaeger. So that is preserved, and I appreciated that. And a word of warning, if you already plan on watching Pacific Rim Uprising, the trailer I felt seemed like Thor Ragnarok's trailer, where it it reveals a little too much. Um, At least that's how it felt. Not having seen the movie, I can't verify that. But um, from this point on, I probably won't watch any more trailers for it. I have not watched the Uprising trailer but I did see people saying that it's a great trailer if you want to know the entire plot of the movie. I'm hoping that that's not the case, but that's how that was my fear, yeah. So I'm hoping it's not the case that that is the entire plot. But I did appreciate seeing that there were Jaegers with three pilots and two pilots, and I think there was a scene with one pilot, but yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Are there Jaegers with three pilots in the original? Yes, there is a Jaeger. Which I still have not seen in full. Right. There's a, a one particular Jaeger that has three pilots. It is the only one, and it's notable because of the three pilots. Okay. Um. Next up, I wanted to talk about the newest Justice League trailer. Um, There were some more funny quips in it, which is encouraging. Uh, But a discouraging thing is that Aquaman is still annoying, and he's still in it. So, When you said there were quips, I thought, my first thought was, I thought you didn't like Aquaman. No, I wasn't referring to him. Okay. I guess all he really ever says is like various catchphrases, not actual quips. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't remember what he said, but I'm just imagining him flying through the air being like, yeah, boy. Wait, can I don't think that that memory is quite accurate. (laughs) Yeah, that was annoying. Actually, one of the, the things I was referencing is he says something and then Batman responds the way Batman responds to him. I thought was, I I laughed when I heard it. So. Okay. Yeah. What were you going to say, Matthew? I just said, can Aquaman fly? No, he gets thrown by other people. Apparently. Yeah. So they're ripping off like the Wolverine and Colossus thing is. Is there Colossus in any of the Wolverine movies? No, not in movies. That just in comics. That's like their thing. Oh, okay. If they're together, they he Wolverine really likes being thrown by Colossus, oh, and they call it a fastball. Colossus is the metal guy. Yes. Well, what's the big robot things in Sentinels? Sentinels. Okay. That hunt and kill mutants. I don't know. They're usually throwing them at a Sentinel. <laughs> this is from my childhood. I remember there was an, an X Men cartoon or something. And there was big robot things that looked somewhat like Galactus, oh, yeah. but without Sentinels. the side fins. Okay, Sentinels. Yeah, because somehow in the X-Men comics, someone came up with the idea like, you know what will save us from mutants? Seven-story tall robots with unlimited power. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a whole thing about there being essentially a robot uprising apocalypse to take out all the mutants which you know everyone saw coming but 
Not the people who funded the federal program. <laughs> anyway, yes, there's a whole thing in the comics of a repeating motif where, like, Colossus will throw Wolverine at someone tall or in the air, and it's called a fastball special. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Why is it called a fast? No, no, that doesn't matter. Trevor, I would like to hear your thoughts on the newest Star Wars, The Last Jedi trailer. When I saw the abbreviation SWTLG at first, I was, or TLJ at first, I was like, what is that? And I just read it as the closest approximation to a word, which was sweat lodge. And then I was like, what <laughs> sweat oh, lodge. Oh, okay, Star Wars. It's a sauna trailer. <laughs> <laughs> sauna the movie no <laughs> um my thoughts can be summed up very succinctly and without any spoilers by saying i think there was a whole lot of misdirection in the trailer so whatever conclusions people want to draw um I think that the obvious conclusions will be the result of careful editing. And I think any stunning revelations by virtue of being in the trailer almost guarantees they're not actually going to happen because if it Mm -hmm. was really going to happen, they wouldn't try to make it look like it was going to happen in the trailer. So for it to happen, it would have to not look like it was going to happen in the trailer. Han Solo comes back as a force ghost and he's killed again. (laughs) (laughs) wait i thought you said you hadn't watched it (laughs) (laughs) well any last words what do you guys think of porgs porgs did you say borgs or porgs porgs i did see a thing that photoshopped a porg with borg enhancements onto (laughs) locutious of borg find that one for the show notes i guess (laughs) i want i want that picture i want my pork (laughs) i don't have any strong feelings about porks people who don't know what i'm talking about i'm talking about the little bird like things that you may see infesting your local malls and retail complexes um they are the new star wars creature they are basically a CG overlay for puffins to help cover up all of the puffins on Skellig Michael. So they were not invented purely for marketing. They were invented to have a way of covering puffins. Which I'm kind of offended that you have to cover puffins. I don't have strong feelings on them because I don't really understand having strong feelings on a new creature or character before the movie actually comes out. That's just not something I have personally understood so i saw lots of things where somehow they were being compared to jar jar and i didn't quite understand what was going on at all but i also didn't watch the trailer yes some people were comparing them to jar jar some people comparing the ewoks just because with the idea that they are cute or annoying things being thrown in purely for marketing or to get kids or whatever i whatever they might be great. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm inclined to think that they're going to be great because they're puffins. But 
it's just in the trailer it wasn't like a really monumental use of it unless there's something different about the way they're shown in the movie versus all of the stuffed animals and marketing things I've seen I don't think they're actually that cute personally no I didn't say that it was cute yeah so everybody's like oh they're just there to be cute and I'm like "Eh, they're kind of hideous I don't know (laughs) it's a puffin with its beak cut off they I can't hardly tell if it's like a bird or if it's hairy to be honest it looks like strangely sleek almost like I don't know CG and then they have just like really big eyes but like not in a good way I linked an image that is very appropriate to this conversation is it the Borg Borg? no it's the second one (laughs) 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 you will be assimilated (laughs) oh man Uh, the second image that Matthew has shared is the scream with a Borg (laughs) Which the great thing about this is Matthew doesn't Matthew hasn't even watched the trailer. So <laughs> anyway, oh man, those are both great images, Matthew. Well done. I well played, take sir. entire credit for finding them. <laughs> yes, as you should. <laughs> anyway, we are laughing at things that you can't see right now. They will be in the show notes so that you can click the links and see them and laugh too. How can people find the show notes? The show notes are at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 22. Are you guys feeling like some science talk or not really? I'm always up for some science. Okay. I'll try to make it quick. So I was at, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just looking at the time. I was at an, a gravitational physics conference this past weekend in Michigan. And I heard about a website called, well, I don't know if if it's kind of like a game called gravity spy where, um, citizen scientists can go to this website that will be linked in the show notes, um, to go through, data on uh, from the LIGO array. Oh, neat. Which, if you have not heard of LIGO, it's the observatory. It stands for Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. Uh, and that's, as you can tell, where they how they detected gravitational waves. Um, so it's an extremely sensitive instrument, and because of that, it gets some like false positive readings just through operation or like a truck going by or whatever. I don't know. Um, so people can look at images of these uh, glitches and classify them. And you kind of like get a score for how uh, proficient you are. And what they're doing is taking this the rating that the humans give it and matching it with like some kind of machine learning algorithm uh, to give it a score. And what they're trying to do is perfect this machine learning algorithm enough that in the third op- observational run coming up in 18 months, they can just incorporate this program to filter out or like to clean out all of the, the glitches so that they get a cleaner uh, display of 
detections and hopefully we'll be able to pick out weaker signals than what they currently can. So if you have time and inclination and want to help scientists, you can go to, um, you can just Google gravity spy um, and sign up to do that. It looks like they are using a spectrogram. Yes. Much like the one that is in our new noise removal software. Oh, cool. Because a traditional audio workstation basically just shows you the loudness, but a spectrogram, if you go to this website and help with this thing, you'll see how it it charts out more information about the audio data by using a spectrogram. Mm -hmm. That is much like what I'm looking at when I clean up our audio. And the scientist that was presenting this noted that the images that people are looking at are not actually the most, the best representations of the data, but they had to make a decision on based on what are people going to want to look at for extended periods of time. And they, they went with this, even though they're sacrificing a little bit in accuracy and complete data manipulation, it will be more likely that people will join in and use the program. So cool. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And then, um, actually this is breaking news today out of LIGO. There's been, um, a new detection of gravitational waves, but instead of from stellar black holes, merging, merging, that's not a word merging a merger between two stellar black holes. Uh, the, the gravitational waves that they've detected are, uh, from a binary neutron star in spiral. So like they're spiraling into, into each other and then merging. Um, and what's unique. Well, what's interesting about this is one, the, the mass of neutron stars is much less than the mass of any of the black hole mergers they've detected so far. So, um, you would think that the signal would be like the, uh, gravitational distortion would be less. Um, so this is the first time they've detected a neutron star merger. Another thing that's interesting is this is the first time that we've had gravitational waves and electromagnetic radiation, um, detected simultaneously for the same event. So, Oh, neat. LIGO detected the gravitational distortions at the same time that, uh, observatories around the world were, uh, detecting a gamma ray burst from the same area. And so now astronomers, like they've seen these gamma ray bursts in the past and now they know, okay, it's probably from neutron star mergers. Um, so that is, it's kind of a, a, a big deal and it, it will help um, classify uh, astronomical observations in the future. One of the professors I was talking to this past weekend said that they're thinking that at the rate of detections that they've made and 
with this new data on the neutron star merger being coupled with gra- uh, the gamma ray bursts that they've detected that these massive mergers might happen as frequently as once a month in the next observational run like they might detect them that frequently hmm. uh, so it's looking like these are actually common events in our galaxy rather than uncommon i mean i guess when you have billions of stars it's not like they it could happen for a small percentage of that and still be very common yeah so the last thing that we have on the follow up <laughs> section is uh my brother shared via tweet information regarding a new movie coming out that is a movie version of the board game Settlers of Catan. I did not actually read the article. Did either of you guys read it? It was uh, it was not terribly informative. It basically said the movie is happening. Here's a couple people who are involved with it. Um, a little bit of background on the game. And then, I don't know, the which person is this? The director? No, the person writing the screenplay is also apparently writing a Playmobil movie right now, which is perhaps more interesting to me. A what movie? Playmobil movie. What is Playmobil? Really? Like the children's toys? Yeah. Really? Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, surely that's not what he means. Oh, no. Okay. No, that's I'm, what mean. I guess they want to make one because the Lego movies are doing well. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah. So it doesn't really say anything about it, just that there's a movie coming based on the board game. So when I read the headline, I thought, really? You're going to make a movie about that? And then I was like, what? What successful board game movies are there? Oh, definitely Battleship. <laughs> Jumanji. Jumanji and then Clue. I think Clue is probably the most. But Jumanji isn't really a board game movie. It's a book about a fictional board game that got turned into a movie. So I was joking. Okay. And it got turned into a board game because I had the board game. Okay. Also, the Battleship movie bombed horribly because it and it came out after. No, no pun intended. Searching for Bobby um, Fisher. And sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it bombed horribly, and it came out r- like two weeks after the Avengers did. And the studio head, when it performed poorly, just was like, "Well, it wasn't fair. We came out right after the Avengers, and everyone liked the Avengers. <laughs> they uh, took away our movie. Like he was blaming the movie doing poorly on that." And I was like, "Whatever, dude." It didn't look good from the trailers. So I don't think searching for Bobby Fisher qualifies as the type of board game movie that we're talking about. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about successful board game movies, then chess is a rich area. <laughs> we're not talking about successful board games. We're talking about successful, successful board game movie movies. adaptations of a board game. Oh, <laughs> um, I would, I would say that Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was probably a more successful movie that had an a, a portion of chess in it than Searching for Bobby Fischer. How 
dare you? I didn't say that it was a better movie. I said it was more successful. I enjoyed searching for Bobby Fischer quite a lot. <laughs> All this to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sold on the idea of a Settlers of Catan movie, but we'll see how it goes. I'm just trying to imagine it. You're trying to imagine Will it. Will it just be about people settling an island? I think so. And you get two towns and a road out of each one. <laughs> this could be a really boring movie. Just people sitting out at the edge of town being like, we really got to build some more roads. Hey, Klaus, how's the sheep farm coming? <laughs> well, there haven't been any fours rolled, so not very well. <laughs> I would watch a movie of people playing Settlers of Catan. See, I always hear about Settlers of Catan having opportunities where everyone's like backstabbing each other and there's a lot of bad blood developing. And I was like, that sounds like it could have some ground for making a type of conflict that drives a movie. Hmm. I wonder if they could do something that almost has like the the murder mystery with the people trapped in a house with the murderer kind of feel to it, except somehow it's all focused around a game of Settlers. Now I'm thinking of that movie that like, was it an M. Night Shyamalan movie where like five people were trapped in an elevator and they were like, and one of them is Satan. And it's like, <laughs> I will confess I did not watch that one. <laughs> Neither have I, but the premise was so outlandish. It's just like, well, I don't think I made it more than 20 seconds through the trailer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I, I do appreciate him sharing that with us. I'm glad that I know about it. Oh, yeah. I'm just not sure what to think of the fact that the studio greenlit that. <laughs> I mean, it's still probably... It does... Go ahead. Oh, the, the producer... Better... What? <laughs> Go ahead. Out of all possible board game movies, that's probably one of the stronger potential ones rather than like... Pandemic. It's... Oh, they basically made that before. I know, but <laughs> do zombie movies count? I was going to go with like, it's Monopoly, the movie. Like that would, <laughs> I can't pay my rent. Checkers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Checkers, the movie. Like, <laughs> um, It does, I mean, fit into our wheelhouse because we had the board game episode where we talked about did we talk about Settlers of Catan? Did one of us play that? I think so. We might have mentioned it, but we didn't dwell on it because people know it pretty well. Okay. Well, we like that game. The person producing the Catan movie has also produced a movie called Pawn Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Which might be about chess. Which is about... Yeah, I think it is. I don't know. Do you Somehow Have you ever heard of the movie? Chess. I've heard of it. I don't really know. I think it has to do with chess, but isn't necessarily about chess. Okay. I've never heard of it. Like chess is a part of the plot, but okay. Oh, it's actually, <laughs> never mind. It's very much a, a part of the movie. It's about Bobby Fischer. Oh, <laughs> It's about his game against the uh, Soviet Grandmasters. Got it. Or games, I guess. 
you probably would want to watch that. Maybe. It's starring Spider-Man. Hmm. Which one? At this point, I, I think you... Do you mean Tobey Maguire? I do. Okay, that's what I was guessing. Because I don't know if Tom Holland is old enough and Andrew Garfield is only recently getting into serious stuff. Um, Bobby Fischer... He wouldn't need to be real old to play Bobby Fischer. Well, this came out in 2014, so... Oh, is that what you meant? Just that it came out a while ago? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm confused. I it, This came out in 2014. How old was Bobby Fischer whenever he played against the Russians? Um, he, let's see. He played in eight United States championships starting at age 14. Um, I'm trying to see when he played the Russians. Um, but yeah, if it was the U S stuff, he started at 14 with the winning stuff. Um, I don't know. The guy playing him was 38 when it was filmed. He was, he was young though. He was like a prodigy. Yeah. So, and when I say like a prodigy, I mean, (laughs) he was, he was, (laughs) So probably not the best casting choice, but <laughs> that's how Hollywood is, I guess. It looks like he was 29 when he played. Oh, when he got the world championship from Spassky, he was 29. Okay, so yeah. Toby Maguire was nine years older than he was in that game. Hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah, we lost Matthew. <laughs> oh, he's still on my screen. That's I didn't realize. Oh, wait. He's still here. Can you still hear him? Yeah. Oh, no. Matthew, can you hear me? No, here's the thing. He doesn't understand what we're saying. <laughs> he just said, I wonder if this is what dying something something feels like okay there he's he's gone he left can you hear me yes okay (laughs) now i'm getting kind of paranoid i'll go ahead and do the wrap up and see what happens Once again, you can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 22. We have a Slack group with ongoing conversation on stuff we talk about on the show or even just other stuff, which sometimes later comes up on the show. If you want to join that, just shoot us an email at feedback at betterworlds.net. We'll send you an invitation to join the Slack group. This episode is brought to you by Audible purveyor of fine audiobooks um i really like audiobooks because they are a way to read when i'm doing other stuff and if you would like a free audiobook and a 30-day trial of audible then you can go to audibletrial.com slash better worlds and pick out any free audiobook that you want do you have anything to add dustin
Have you heard of Children of the Fleet by Orson Scott Card? I heard about that just this last week from a Facebook ad of all places. Well, it's one of the latest releases on Audible. And it is narrated by Stefan Rudnick. I don't know who that is. I don't either. I didn't realize it was out already. I thought that. But I thought that would be up your alley. Yeah. I thought that it was coming soon. But I think I'm all caught up on the other stuff so that I could listen to that. Um, right now I'm working through the wrinkle in time series Hmm. and I also just finished the other Steve jobs biography becoming Steve jobs, the better one, the better one. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with people who say that it is a step above the Isaacson biography. It's a little more balanced and. I would say respectful. It doesn't, it's not hagiographic by any means, but it is more respectful and balanced. I think it talks about both flaws and positive things rather than just talking about negative things all the time. Like the Isaacson one does. Mm. Not that I didn't appreciate the Isaacson one, which I received as a gift from a friend named Dustin from me. Yes. <laughs> you, I don't think you ever read that copy though. I, yeah, I checked out the Kindle one from the library <laughs> because which I totally understand. It was just so darn heavy. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I don't fault you one bit for that. I also have the hardcover of becoming Steve jobs. And yet I listened to the audiobook. It's shelf candy. The becoming Steve Jobs is shorter, um, which I think is kind of a good thing. The the Isaacson one kind of drags on a little bit, kind of like this sponsor read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, there are some things where it just gets like way overly detailed about little points in his life that like you don't really need to know. But becoming Steve Jobs gives a lot more interesting stuff about his time at Next and the role that Pixar played in his development as a leader and stuff about his relationships with Lassiter and Ed Catmull that didn't really get much coverage in the Isaacson biography. Ed Catmull and John Lassiter are two of the main Pixar people. Not to be confused with the Lassiter from Firefly. Which is named after John Lassiter of Pixar. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It is. Cool. The other interesting thing is that Becoming Steve Jobs is written by somebody who actually knew Steve Jobs. Much more so than Walter Isaacson did. Like He was actually friends with him. And some of the personal stuff given near the end of the book makes it clear that if anything, the close friendship could have led the guy to write a much more negative book because he, he had some personal beef because there was a point where even though he was friends with Steve jobs, Steve jobs started refusing to do fortune articles with him like he'd done in the past and then chose somebody else to write the official biography. And um, I mean, he even talks about how he like 
talked with Steve about that and how that was really tough for him that he didn't get picked to do that <laughs> for his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that actually, it, you, it might be tempting to say, well, this guy's his friend. Of course he's going to be more positive, but he was his friend and he got the, um, I'm missing a phrase that I want to use. He didn't get to write the official biography, even though it would have made perfect sense. And yet he still wrote a mm-hmm. more positive book than the official biography. Anyway, I didn't expect to put a whole book review in <laughs> the audible read, but yeah. Um, audibletrial.com slash better worlds is where you can get a free audiobook. whether it be becoming Steve jobs or children of the fleet by Orson Scott card. Thanks for listening. Go then. A moment of silence for Matthew, who disconnected shortly before we closed the show. (laughs) Well, considering the prodigious ad read quite a while before we closed the show. (laughs) I'm sure Matthew will listen back to the episode and be so sad that he couldn't ask me questions about the comparison between the two Steve Jobs biographies.